talking about the subject of music in a session, in one session, is uh, quite a daunting task. Uh, when you think of entire conferences and entire books that have been written and discussions that have been had on this topic of music, uh, this certainly won't be exhaustive. Um, and I'll also say this, that this is a topic that I'm still growing in and still learning in and uh, trying to really get a biblical understanding of this topic of music and how it applies to our ministries. And of course, I love the topic of this conference, the title of this conference, Glorify, uh, that in all things he might have the preeminence, including our music. Uh, music is such an important part of our services, and uh, I really believe that it's an incredible, a powerful tool that God has given to us uh, for the purpose of ascribing worth and glory and honor and praise to him. And so uh, I hope that today as we get into this session that uh, it'll be a help to you. Again, it won't be exhaustive. Um, there, there uh, are a lot of areas in, in this topic I'm still learning and growing and reading and, uh, and learning from our pastor and his heart on the music even for our own ministry. And so, uh, but I do hope that what, what will be said today will be a help. And so let's have a word of prayer as we get started and then we'll dive in. Father, we love you and we thank you for the day that you've given to us and for this conference. And Lord, I pray that even uh, in the session that we just heard from Pastor, that you would uh, help application to be made and uh, things that have been, that were said even in that session to be, to come to our minds in the, in the years ahead as, as, uh, as we serve you and seek to glorify you. And then Lord, I pray that in this session that you would give wisdom and that you would be uh, honored through it and that you would teach us and instruct us on this topic of music and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to start in Ephesians chapter 5. If you have a Bible, it might be in your notes there as well. But Ephesians chapter 5, really one of my favorite passages on the topic of music. Ephesians 5, and we'll begin in verse 18. Very familiar verse. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I love that verse because when you think about the Christian life, that's the essence of the Christian life. That Christ who is within me, the presence of God within me, should control and should guide me and should govern me and should direct me in the choices that I make and the words that I would use and the, the life that I would live. That in all things, the Holy Spirit would be the one guiding and controlling, not being controlled by an outside substance, not being controlled by even my own will and my own desires, but rather allowing the presence of God within me to fill me to control me, to lead me, and to guide me. It's the essence of our Christian journey. That, that every day of my life, I would be walking in the filling and in the control of the Holy Spirit of God. Look at that verse again in verse 18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then Paul puts a semicolon. Because he's going to go on and he's going to explain how we can have that abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, that filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he gives us three areas that assist in the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the very first area is our music. He says in verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He goes on to talk about giving thanks. And then he goes on to talk about submitting one to another. And in those three areas, through our music and through our gratitude and through our humility and our submission to others, that assists in the filling of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. And so when I think about music and I think about the importance of music in my life, 
as a Christian, as I seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what is it that will help and enable me and, and, and to, to walk in the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit? And what will assist the Holy Spirit in that filling process in my life? Well, Paul says the very first thing is the spiritual music that I allow into my life. So when I understand the connection between the music that I listen to and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, music really is a matter of personal holiness. It's not about whether or not I get to listen to my favorite song or, the, or that favorite group of mine or, or whether I get kind of my way in the argument about music. It has more to do with whether or not the Holy Spirit of God is filling you today based on the music that you're allowing into your life. It's really a matter of personal holiness. We must establish eternal principles and apply them to our lives and the music choices today so that the Holy Spirit of God is not grieved in our life because of the music we're allowing. Let me give a couple of introductory thoughts. Again, this is such a vast topic to try to touch on every aspect of it. I won't be able to do, but let me give you some introductory thoughts before we get into the actual outline. First of all, I would say this, that music is an intensely personal subject. We, we tend to identify ourselves by our music. You know, don't touch my music. That's my music. It, it's something that I identify myself with. And we need to be careful that there's really no area of our life that the Lord does not have control over, that He cannot come in and say, wait a minute, I want to change some things there. And even a session like this on the topic of music, some, some people would automatically put up the defenses. They'd say, okay, there's going to be this session on music. What's He going to say? If he agrees with my paradigm or my perspective of music, then that was a good session. Well, if he doesn't agree with what I think about music, then I don't know that I really agree with what he talked about there. And we get these defense systems when we, we put them up when it comes to topics like this because it's, a, it's an intensely personal subject. But we need to be careful. Proverbs 13.10 says that only by pride cometh contention. It's interesting, when, you, when the discussions of music come up, pride so often just starts, starts to well up in people. And they start to get this idea that they know better than the next guy, and they've got the answer more than the other guy. And, and there's a lot of pride, and, and there's a lot of contention in the topic of music. But let's take the next 40 minutes or so, or 30 minutes or so, and just let our guard down. Let's study this, and let's understand some application that we can make to our lives. Number two, I would say by introduction that music is a dominantly positive subject in the Bible. There are varying uh, numbers of references that have been stated, depending on which phrases and words you would, you would group into the topic of music in the Bible, but some have estimated some 700 references to, to music in the Bible, and they're dominantly positive. Why is that important? Because I want to understand God's positively intended purpose for music in my life. I don't want to just constantly be negative and constantly down on music and constantly uh, negative about the topic. I want to understand God has given me this gift, this positive and powerful gift of music. And I want to understand God's intention for that gift in my life and in the local church. And I want to use it according to God's purpose. Instead of constantly being negative and instead of constantly being down on the topic of music, understand it's, it's a positive subject. And I want to focus on that the positive purpose of music in my life and in the church. The number three, I would say this by introduction, the prevalence and immediate accessibility of music today is a relatively new phenomenon. You go back about a century and a half, really, if you heard music, it was live. 
Most people, when they heard music, it was in church. If you heard music in your home, it was because either you or somebody in your family played it or sang it. This, this ability that we have, this accessibility to music that we have, it's a relatively new phenomenon. You can't hardly go uh, to the grocery store or be in an elevator or walk across campus without rocks playing music at you. It's everywhere. But it's a relatively new phenomenon. Let me give you just a real quick history of music. We've got some graphics here to support this, but let me just kind of walk you through. About 139 years ago, Thomas Edison invented the phonograph. It was the first time that sound could be reproduced. That was just 139 years ago, 1877. Fast forward several decades to 1954, the Regency TR1. It was the first commercially produced transistor radio. In 1972, the stereo belt was, uh, was produced, the first portable personal stereo audio cassette player. Then in 1976, the boombox. In 1979, the Walkman. We're starting to get to your generation a little bit closer. Then the Discman in 1984. Then the MP Man in 1998, that was the first mass-produced portable solid-state digital audio player. Now it wasn't the cassettes and the CDs, it was, it, was, it was the file that you could have portable there. And then the world changed on November 10th, 2001, when, when Apple re re released the first iPod, 2001. And then from there till now, on our phones, everyone in here has access. You can stream it, you can store it. Uh, you, you, can, you can find it. It's, it's there. It's at your fingertips. But that's a relatively new phenomenon. So when we talk about this, this, this topic of music and this discussion of music and even a lot of the arguments that are surrounded by music, it's relatively new. So a lot of us are still trying to kind of figure out where, where, where we can apply the biblical principles here to this, to this topic and still and still understand what God intends for music in the local church and how we can use it for His honor and for His glory. So let's get into our outline here. Number one, I want to talk about how music is a gift from God. Music is a gift from God. Letter A, God created music. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Music is a wonderful gift, and it's from God. It was his idea. It was his creation. Pastor wrote in his uh, booklet on music, he said, I thank God for the gift of music. I am particularly thankful for sacred, Christ-honoring music. Music is an integral part of worship and edification. It can draw our hearts closer to the Lord and reinforce scriptural truths in our minds. Or it can weaken our walk with God and put our flesh and pull our flesh toward the world. God has built into the human body the ability to produce music. It doesn't take really much training at all to discover that gift. You can spend a lifetime developing that gift, but to discover it and to be able to use it, uh, it takes very little training. We have three boys. We've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old, the two older ones. Both of them, by the age of two, were singing. No training, no explanation about vocal folds and resonance and breath support and all of that. They just picked it up. God has built that into our body, that ability to produce music. It's a wonderful gift from God. God enjoys singing. 
Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest, he will rest in His love. He will joy over thee with singing. God sings. Jesus sang with His disciples. Matthew 26, And when they had sung in Him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Christ was about to face His darkest hour. And before He went to that garden and spent that time with His Father, He spent time with His disciples in fellowship and in singing. And we get a glimpse into the heart of God and His enjoyment for music. Music was an important part of God's creation. It was so much a part of God's creation that God even created a cherub as the master musician in heaven. You'll find in Ezekiel 28, Thou hast been in Eden in the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and the gold. Notice this, the workmanship of thy tabrets, which would be similar to a tambourine, a small drum, and of thy pipes, which would be wooden tubes that you can produce sound by either blowing through them or blowing over them, was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. This cherub physically, part of his created body, he had instruments built into him. You continue to read, you'll find who this cherub was in verse 14 of Ezekiel 28. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so, thou wast upon thy holy mount, the, the holy mountain of God, Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Of course, this anointed cherub was Lucifer, a beautifully created being. And physically built into his body were instruments. This master musician, as he was this anointed cherub over the throne of God, part of his job was to worship the God of that throne through this means of music. And yet somewhere as he was doing that, something of pride welled up in his heart and he wanted that throne. God cast him out of heaven. But I think it's important to note that this master musician was created by God with that ability to produce music. And I, I believe very strongly that the devil knows and understands the power of music probably more than any of us do because of that role that he played and how he was created. Which leads me to letter B. Everything God creates, the devil wants to corrupt and contaminate. Listen, music is a gift from God. It was God's creation. But the devil's after it. Just as he's after marriage, just as he's after the local church, just as he's after the gospel, to contaminate, to corrupt, just as he's after government, all of these are given to us by God as institutions, as truths from God, but the devil's after them. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I believe that music is one of the devil's most powerful offensive weapons. But I still believe and, and, and know to be true that music is, is a gift from God. And it was created first by God. And just because the devil comes in and tries to contaminate and destroy something doesn't mean I want to just discard it and throw it aside. It's still God's creation. It's still something that I want to use for the glory and honor of God. So music was created by God. It's His gift to us. Number two, music communicates. Music 
communicates. Music communicates in two ways. Music really is a vehicle that transports a message. So first, letter A, music communicates through the lyrics. The lyrics communicate. We understand our speech and and, and our conversation ought to be that which brings glory to God. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Notice this in verse 12. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. I believe that the world has taken its secret life of sin and it's flaunted it through its music. The relationships, the sin, the pride, the drugs, the alcohol, the culture has just taken what is that secret life of sin and it's no longer secret. It's now become the lyrics of their music. And we need to be careful that in the lyrics of our music that we first and foremost are glorifying God. The world is preaching its message through its music. Just listen to the lyrics. But as I understand what the lyrics of my music ought to be, Ephesians 5.19 says, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That speaking to yourselves is an emphasis on the lyrics. An emphasis on the words of the song. So the lyrics of our music are communicating, but then let her be, the music is also communicating. The instrumentation, without the lyrics. You take the lyrics away from music, and music influences. Music has that emotive influence over the listener. And uh, we won't get into great detail here just for the sake of time, but, but there is a communication going on through, just, through the instrumentation of the music that we listen to. Get into a little bit of a technical side here, just briefly. Let me talk about the three aspects of music. The melody, the harmony, and the rhythm. These are the three components that make up music, aside from the lyrics, the, the instrumentation side of music. The melody would be the tune. It carries the message of the lyrics. The melody is that succession of musical tones that the listener perceives as a single entity. In other words, it can stand alone. Um, unless you're practicing an alto part or a tenor part, most of us, as we're whistling or singing or humming, that's the melody. The, the listener perceives that melody as, as, as the piece of the music that can stand alone. It's enjoyable by itself. Second would be the harmony. The harmony creates the emotion. You wrap that melody in harmonies, you, you create the emotional context of that melody. You can change the emotion of a, of a melody and you can change the feeling of a melody by wrapping that same melody in different harmonies. You stick with a predominantly uh, major set of harmonies, you're going to have a positive feel to that song. You change that to a minor set of harmonies, it's going to be more introspective or a sadder feel to that melody. You wrap that melody in polychords and, and disjunct harmonies and unresolved uh, chords, you're going to have kind of an unsettled feeling to that melody. The melody doesn't change, but the harmonies that wrap that melody change, and now you're, you're changing the emotional feel of that same melody. The third aspect would be rhythm. The rhythm is simply the movement of the song. Rhythm is the most fundamental element of music. You can't have harmony and melody apart from having rhythm with it. But you can have rhythm without having harmony and melody. In other words, you can have rhythm and still have music if you don't have melody and harmony. But you can't have harmony or melody and not have rhythm. 
The most fundamental element of music is rhythm. And it's simply the movement. And God has made our bodies rhythmic. That's why you, 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 uh, you tap the, the, the tempo, you tap the beat of a song. It's something that it, it brings that physical response. God's made us that way. So what's the application of all of this? We've got lyrics that communicate. We've got music that communicates. How do I apply this to my life? What, what is the takeaway from this? The takeaway is this. I believe that there needs to be in our music a, a, a strong biblical scriptural lyric that is married to a music, an instrumentation that communicates that same message of the lyric. In other words, there are genres of quote-unquote Christian music that are very hard rap and rock and even acid-type music that are speaking or, or singing a lyric about Christ and His redemption and His resurrection and these, these, these themes of the Bible that we know to be true, but yet the music is not communicating the same message. The music is communicating angst and anger and, 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 and it's, it's, it's a lot of that disjunct feeling and that disjunct emotion and there's, there's an unequal yoke between the music, the instrumentation, and the lyric of that music. And to be quite honest with you, it's just, it's, it's just poor arranging. You're not communicating the same message through the music that you're trying to communicate through the lyric. So when we have music that is spiritual music, as Ephesians 5 talks about, we're looking for that marriage between the, the lyric and the music that is in, in agreement. They're complementing each other. The, the music side of it is not overpowering. It's not a dominant rhythm that overshadows the lyric. It's not a harmony that's just confusing and disjunct and unsettling that's, that's distracting from the melody and the lyric of that song. But there's, there's that proper union, that proper marriage between the two of them. So our music is communicating. Our lyric is communicating. Then let her see, and I'm not going to go through this list, but let me just... Uh, mention here what spiritual music communicates. What should spiritual music be communicating? And you can look up these references uh, later, but these are just topics of the Bible, topics found within the Word of God related to our music that ought to be the topics of our lyrics. When you think about God's wondrous works and God's salvation and God's glory and God as our creator and God's glory and strength and our worship to God and God in His holiness and our gratitude towards God and our praise and our service with gladness and God's power and God as our defense and refuge and our new song that we have because of the new creature that we are, the transformed life, His bountiful blessings, my fear of God, God's faithfulness. These are just some of the topics and this is not exhaustive. But when you look at the topics found in the Word of God that we can sing about, you, you have a lot of material with which you can write. And you have a lot of material with which you can praise the Lord and sing to Him about. So my question then is, what is your music communicating? The music that you listen to, the lyric of that music, the instrumentation of that music. Are we focusing on God-centered lyrics and, and Christ-centered music that brings glory to the Lord? Number three. Let's talk about music's biblical purpose. And I think we'll get into some application here even for church music as we understand it. What is, when I study the Bible, what is God's purpose for music? Well, I believe first and foremost and primarily right at the center of it, right in the front of it all, is that our music would worship God. And that's really what this conference is all about. 
the music that I listen to personally, the music that I allow in my church as a music director, as the one overseeing the music, as a pastor of a church, what are you allowing as the music in your church and what is it communicating and what is its purpose? First and foremost, it ought to be to bring glory and honor to God. God is the audience of our music. Man is the audience of preaching. God is the audience of our music. And I think that's important to understand, not just as musicians, but also as those who are going out to start churches and plant churches and lead churches and lead missionary works, that in your services, understand that music portion is not just sort of something to get through. It's not just a placeholder on the cue card. But that in, in that portion of the service, we are not entertaining. We are not putting on a show of music. We are not trying to manipulate something or rouse up some emotion or kind of even just wake people up. The purpose of that music portion of the service is to sing for the audience of one. As that choir sings, as the congregation sings, it's for Him. He is our audience. God has given to us this gift of music for the purpose of ascribing worth back to Him. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord. O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. When I understand worship, I understand that it is a way of life. Music is simply a means to communicating worship. I think it's funny when people talk about the worship in church. Boy, that was good worship today. You know what they're probably referring to is the music. But that's just a portion of it. Because when you talk about worship in church, the offering is worship. The preaching is worship. The fellowship is worship. The serving one another is worship. As you teach your bus class, as you, as you serve those children, as you greet someone as they come in, as you bring a lost person into church and help them to find a seat, all of that is worshiping God. It's all ascribing worth to Him. Music is just a portion of that. Worship is really to be a way of life. Not something confined to an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That word soul is the Hebrew word nefesh. It means a breathing creature. It comes from the root word nefesh, which means to breathe. We find that same word in Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. All three of those are the same word, nefesh. Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Same word used in Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my breath. Our breath comes from the Lord. It's an amazing miracle. I've experienced it three times with our boys when they take that first breath when they are born into this world and their creator God gives them that first breath and they breathe, they breathe into their nostrils that breath of life. And at that moment of death when someone passes from this life on to, on to the next, the very last thing their body does is it exhales that breath. That breath is given back to its creator. So you and I are on borrowed breath. We are on breath from God. And the purpose of that breath, the purpose of that soul, as the psalmist said, 
all that is within me, bless His holy name. The purpose of our breath is to bring glory and honor and praise back to our Creator. The One that gave us that breath. The chief end of man is to glorify God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Again, music is just one of the many means through which we can worship and bless and praise His name with our breath. Our music, both personal and corporate, should first and foremost describe worth to God. Brother Kerry Schmidt said in his book, Music Matters, somewhere along the way we adapted to the idolatry of culture and began to view our music as a vehicle for our pleasure. This new belief has led to an entirely new approach to music in church and in the Christian life. A new philosophy of entertainment-based worship. Gradually, Christian music became all about us and our style preferences and what makes us feel good. And as a result, worship became more about us than God. And our excuse is, well, God likes all kinds of music. Now, I'm not saying that you, you can't enjoy the experience of worshiping God through music. But we need to be careful that it is God that we are worshiping through our music and that we are not just simply worshiping our music. That we are not just worshiping that vehicle. That we are not just worshiping that means. But that we are, in fact, through that means, worshiping God and ascribing worth to Him. And so first and foremost in our personal lives and first and foremost in our services and in our churches, we need to be glorifying God and ascribing worth and blessing His name through our music. Number two, letter B, the second purpose of our music ought to be to edify the believers. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. By the way, I believe that those involved in music should have a deep and a true understanding of Scripture. That the Word of Christ should be dwelling in them richly. Because the music that we sing is simply an overflow of our understanding of God and His Word. The Word of Christ, let it dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And then it says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Discipleship should be one of the core values in our music ministries. The songs of our church body should aid in the teaching and the memorization of biblical truths necessary for Christian growth and living. Think about that. Discipleship doesn't just happen on Wednesday night over in the Revels building. Discipleship should be happening on Sunday mornings as we are singing the songs of the faith and singing the truths of God's Word. Music is a powerful tool in that it helps us, that the, 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 the melodies and the music that the lyrics are sung to help us to remember those lyrics, help us to remember those truths. And so as, as a musician who is, uh, who is in charge of overseeing that music, I want to make sure that I am choosing uh, Christ-centered music, gospel-centric music that is aiding and helping in the discipleship process of the church. Helping them to understand the great truths of the Bible. One author said a church must understand that the content of the music they lead should represent a disciple-making strategy. It includes the spectrum of God-revealing lyrics and Christ-honoring moments of worship. The services do more than orchestrate a worship response. They join in the revelation of God through His Word in the songs that we sing. 
I really believe that the most important musical element of any service is the congregational singing. More than a big choir, more than a, more than a soloist who can knock it out of the park, more than those elements of the service, I really believe that the most important part of a service is the congregational singing. Because that is the time when we as the body of Christ can join together corporately in singing the truths and glorifying our God together. It's bringing glory to Him, but it's also edifying us as the singers. Then letter C. The third purpose of our music, and I believe that this is really just a byproduct, is to evangelize the lost. It's a byproduct of lifting up Christ. When you worship Christ, when you exalt Christ, when you sing about Him and His redemptive work, and when you sing about the cross, and when you sing about the empty tomb, and when you sing about His grace, and when you sing about His power, and when you sing about the change that He can bring into our lives, when He is lifted up, He draws all men to Himself. I don't believe that we ought to be changing our music for the purpose of trying to draw in the lost. That somehow if I change my music to something that the lost would be used to hearing or comfortable hearing, that that is somehow going to uh, help them to find Christ. What helps them find Christ is the Gospel. So sing about it. Lift Him up. Exalt Christ. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Let's not change our music for the purpose of reaching the lost, but rather let's just simply exalt Christ through our music. And a byproduct of that is that men and women will see that new song and they'll fear and trust in the Lord as Christ is lifted up. And number four, and finally here, let me give some practical applications for music. When it comes to the music in my life, let me give you some practical applications. Letter A, first of all, let me encourage you to give the Holy Spirit veto power. You say, well, how do I know if I'm listening to good music or wrong music? I mean, it's, it's got lyrics that talk about Jesus, but how do I know if that's really helping me? Well, again, Ephesians 5 makes the connection between our music and the, and the filling of the, of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. So listen to the Holy Spirit and ask Him. Is this music assisting and encouraging the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in your life? Or is this music grieving Him? Is is this helping me in my relationship with God? Is this drawing me closer to the Lord? Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Holy Spirit's not going to share room in your life with the flesh. He's not going to share room with anyone else or anything else. So if I want His presence in my life, if I want His his control in my life, it's going to take spiritual music, according to Ephesians 5. So allow the Holy Spirit to approve or disapprove. Allow the Holy Spirit to say, yes, that is encouraging my presence in your life. Or, no, that, that, that doesn't do it. That grieves me. That, that, that limits my working in your life. Letter B, replace the bad with the good. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Part of that sanctification process, allow, allow the, the Lord to change those taste buds. You say, well, I just like this kind of music. Well, the flesh likes a lot of things that are not good for it. 
But the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in your life will begin to sanctify and change those desires as you grow in your walk with the Lord. Let God change that. Let her see. Listen to music with Christ-centered lyrics. This ought to be an easy one. But let Christ be right at the center. I understand that there, there is music in our life that would be more for entertainment. It doesn't fall into the category of what I would call spiritual music. And it doesn't fall into the category that I would call sinful music. It would fall into a category that I would call secular. It's, it's not spiritual in the sense it's not about Christ. It's not aiding in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. It's not sinful in the sense that it's not fleshly, carnal lyrics that are, that are drawing me away from the Lord. It's, it would be secular in nature. You could include love songs and classical music and, and, and some Broadway-type music that, that would not be sinful in its nature. It's just simply secular. It doesn't aid in the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. There's a place for that. But I believe that primarily, if I understand Ephesians 5 and my desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit... My primary diet ought to be spiritual music. Spiritual music with Christ right at the center of those lyrics that, uh, that is helping me and instructing me and encouraging my relationship with the Lord and helping me to continue to walk in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. So listen to music with Christ-centered lyrics. Letter D. The music, the instrumentation should support the lyrics. Be sure that the music agrees with the message of the lyrics. You're listening to Christ-centered music, music that has Christ-centered lyrics. The instrumentation ought to be an equal yoke with those lyrics, that it's communicating that same message of, of, of Christ's redemption and, 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 and holiness and sanctification and not something that sounds like the world or something that sounds like it's, it's, it's filled with anger and hatred, but rather something that is spiritual and, and again, assisting in the presence of the Holy Spirit and His filling in my life. Letter E, be humble. Be humble. Ever since that first master musician fell, I believe the greatest problem in the discussion of music has been pride. More than the details, more than the application, more than even the scriptural support of this argument or that argument. Pride gets the best of those arguments most times. And that doesn't bring glory to God, even if you are right. And so no matter where you come down on the topic of music and the application of music and, and even some of the discussion of music on some of the hotter points of it, no matter where you come down on those issues, someone will always be to the right of you, and someone will always be to the left of you. You'll never be the most conservative. There'll always be someone to the right of you. There'll always be someone to the left of you. And your response ought to be humility. To walk humbly with your God. It's not my responsibility. I am not responsible for the rest of Christendom and their philosophy of music. I have a hard enough time just kind of keeping track of myself and my relationship with the Lord, and keeping myself right with the Lord, and serving the Lord here, and, 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 and assisting our pastor in the philosophy of music in this church. But there's a lot of pride when it comes to music. And there's, there's a lot of argument and contention, but only by pride cometh contention. 
So if there's contention, if there's argument around this topic of music, there's also pride. And if there's pride, God's not being glorified. So walk humbly. Serve humbly. Keep a teachable spirit when it comes to music. Uh, Demonstrate humility towards those who are to the right of you. They might be a little more conservative than you. Demonstrate humility to those who might be a little to the left of you and, and might use a song or, or, or be okay uh, with a song that you're not okay with. You might have an association disagreement with them, but they've got the right spirit and they're seeking to glorify God through that. There's humility both ways. And then letter F, finally, give grace. Colossians 3.16 says, Singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. You know, there's a lot of singing with contention. There's a lot of singing with criticism. We need to sing with grace in our heart to the Lord. Instead of being professional music critics, let's honor the Lord and focus on Him. And sometimes we can sit in a service and we can critique a singer or we can critique a song and all of a sudden we've lost the blessing of it all. We could be more interested in this association or how this was sung or the way that this was presented or all of these different details. And yet there's someone who has a heart for God and a pure motive and they're trying to glorify God through a song. And so we need to sing with grace and give grace and walk in humility. Pastor said in his booklet, you don't have to discern music the exact way that I do to be spiritual and vice versa. We should beware not to strain at gnats, attempting to discern intricate musical expressions, while the direct orders Christ gave the church concerning evangelism remain incomplete. Sometimes there's so much argument about the topic of music, and there's so much contention on the topic of music, that people just have lost their fervor for souls, and they've lost their fervor for the local church, and they've lost their fervor for truth and for preaching. But let's stay focused on those things that matter most to the Lord. Ephesians 5.18 is where I began. That's where I'd like to conclude. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. How are we going to do that, Paul? How do I go about the Christian life being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, having that presence of God in me, controlling me, leading, guiding me? What is going to assist me in that? The very first item that he lists is our music. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The music that you listen to, the music in your local church, is it assisting the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in you and in that place? Or is it grieving Him? Is it complementing His presence? Or is it limiting His presence? And I believe that music is a powerful, a wonderful gift that God has given to us. And I want to understand how I can apply that gift to my life, to my ministry, for the purpose of bringing glory and honor and praise to Him. The one who has given me breath. I want to glorify Him through the music in my life and in my local church. And I believe that that is our heart today and your heart today. And so let's continue to pursue Him and continue to pursue that spiritual music that brings glory and honor to Him.